WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard. Thank you for joining me on the program this morning here. And as uh, always, uh, love to bring in uh, my next guest. And uh, he's uh, always uh, always great to talk to and uh, always great to uh, to share. Uh, just always come away with some, some new information and some new ideas and new ways uh, out on the water, whether it's... Uh, open water, or in this particular case, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ice fishing and uh, and the hard water season, which is uh, fast approaching here. Uh, good morning, uh, Tackle Terry Tuma. Thanks for joining me on WKTY Outdoors. Appreciate you being here this morning, Terry. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity not only to visit with you, but also to our listeners. Yeah, it's, uh, well, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's, you know, ice fishing season is fast approaching. Boy, it's, uh, it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, it really is, Kevin. In fact, I was just looking out the uh, uh, window this morning in our lake. We live on a, uh, a, a lake about 400-some acres, and it's not a super shallow, not real deep either. And some of it is starting to skim over already. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, yeah, it's, I'm seeing a little skim ice in some of the backwater areas down, uh, down here as well. And then we get, you know, we're going to have a day next week where it's going to be in the low 50s. So, you know, it just... Have one of those weird days, and you know uh, those days are probably few, certainly fewer than <laughs> few and far between. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to start to see some of that uh, that early ice here uh, very very soon. And uh, uh, I know a lot of people are are anxious to get out there and uh, get a line in the water and through that uh, through that hole in the ice. Oh, well, you're no question about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, even though it's going to be warming up somewhat, you know, for. A- couple of days and so forth but we have to also recognize there are short days uh longer evenings and once this temperature gets you know uh starting to uh, create uh skim ice it can go very very quickly kevin mm-hmm. and uh, you know and if we don't have a, a lot of wind and so forth we might be uh pleasantly surprised we might be out there earlier than anticipated yeah it, you, you know, yeah it's just mother nature sometimes tends to throw some curveballs at us and uh, who knows this year with <laughs> certainly this year with the uh, the way the river has been with the uh, the low water and everything it's uh, uh, you know maybe uh, maybe she'll make it up this year with uh, with some some early ice and and some good ice right away and uh, some uh, certainly the the fall fishing I think has been uh, uh, just tremendous and I'm I'm wondering uh, if you think that will uh, will carry over into the uh, the early ice season. Well, I think it will, Kevin. You know, I, I think it's just, you know, what it really amounts to is just, you know, finding uh, specific locations. Fishing pressure is a big, big factor. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have seen fishing pressure dwindle uh, over the last uh, three weeks or so uh, due to everybody's winterizing their boats. And that really helps us in getting a, a fantastic bite for most species of fish. And I think we're going to see that prevail uh, at least through early ice. And it should carry us into the mid-ice time frames also. Yeah, I would, I, I would think so as, as well. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and certainly while well, here in Wisconsin anyway, it's, the, uh, uh, it's, it's opening weekend for gun deer season. So uh, the, 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 the fishing population... Uh, or the amount of, of fishermen out there this weekend uh, is uh, uh, exponentially less. I'm 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 certain of that anyway. So uh, that's uh, you know, man, more opportunities for uh, for the guys that want to uh, go drop a line in the water. That's for sure. So <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, and you know, we still have. But I know most 
a good friend of mine uh, has a, a place up on Leech Lake in Minnesota, and also mm-hmm. he lives on a local lake. And he said, I finally bit the boat and put my boat away about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's to that point, Kevin. Last year, if you remember, we had that early snowstorm, and I was pulling a small boat through all that snow. Uh, storing it, and I and I think most people don't want to go through that anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Yeah, it does. It does seem like it's a little, and and I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining. It does seem a little late this year that we we haven't had really any snow on the ground. But uh, we'll, I'm sure, I'm sure Mother Nature will will make up for it. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you know as we we transition into uh, the. Uh, you know, from from the open water season into that hard water season, you know, we get that first ice. Uh, you know, th- those fish. Um, it's it's a transition for us anyway. Uh, you know, uh, above the ice. You know, as we we transition from the open water to the the ice. Uh, but it, it, you know, I, I guess you know, sum up. How do you see that as a trans? Is it really that much of a transition, at least early on, anyway, for the fish? They're not. Are they necessarily moving around quite so much, or you know, is it taking a while for the those fish to sort of get acclimated? Uh, are they still sort of acclimating to the uh, to the colder water and 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 different conditions as as winter sets in? Well, they are, Kevin. One is, you know, their metabolism has slowed down, mm-hmm. so they're not going to require as much food, but they still uh, feed. You know, I hear so many comments, well, midwinter doldrums, walleyes don't bite, or several species slow way down. Not true. I don't know where that uh, statement ever came from, but that's definitely not true. And But the underwater environment has changed. Uh, believe it or not, it's clearer, but also, too, it's a little bit so we say clear and also darker because we got that snow cover, that ice cover. Uh, so there's a lot of factors. This is where you know the right jigging actions, using the correct rod, uh, the uh, correct line, uh, you know, and then also too, fishing pressure is a big factor because uh, that noise carries a long distance uh, when you have ice formation. So those are some ingredients, uh, and it's also too, you know, sure we got clearer water, but also along with that, color is a factor in the wintertime too. So we got you know some comparison. We also have many many changes. Mm-hmm. And, and and actually, yeah, let me ask a little bit about that. And, you know, obviously. During the open water season, that those factors that you were you're talking about uh, certainly play a role in in whether or not you have success on the water. Is it is it are, are they even more so important to at least in the early season with that thinner ice? You know the 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 sound vibration from you know people necessarily walking on the ice or you know things along those lines. That color selection. Uh, you, you know, just the the you know line color things along those lines. You know, some of those choices are are they even more important uh, at least early on in the season than uh, than than perhaps even during open water season. I really believe they are, Kevin. Really, a good question. Yes, uh, because here again, we're you know the fish are living in really a totally different environment, so to speak, uh, and you know because of their metabolism slowing way down, they're going to be more finicky. They're going to be more selective. 
Uh, they're going to be affected by, you know, noise. It's a different noise, you know, like augers or people driving on the ice or using an ice chill or moving a wheelhouse. These are all factors that are going to affect that location of these fish. And also, too, sure, you see boats in one area many, many times sort of concentrated, but not like you would see wheelhouses or ice anglers. So that's going to really affect uh, those fish. We have done quite a few years of experimentation with noise, and it's literally unbelievable how noise either shuts those fish down or relocates them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and even if, if you think about it, too, and, and just having been out there, too, even when the ice itself, you know, you've been out there fishing, even if that ice shifts and, and you hear those cracks in the ice, you know, how far that sound travels. Now imagine, you know, driving out there and, and walking out there and, and, like you said, drilling the holes and moving things around, you know, how far that sound will transmit and what that will you know, what impact that will have on the, the fish as well. Yeah, certainly uh, uh, sound is something that uh, um, uh, is, is definitely, I think, more important than, uh, or is, is moved up a couple of notches as far as uh, uh, importance uh, when it comes to, uh, to ice fishing. Well, it really has, Kevin. You know, the factor here, too, is that we have to understand that we're limited in mobility versus in a boat. You know, we just go from point A to point B. When you're uh, ice fishing, drilling holes and so forth, we're not as able quickly uh, to move that uh, everything over that quick, you know, that fast, if you will. Uh, so that's why we have to uh, understand how this environment is affecting the fish. You know, the sight is a factor. The hearing is a factor, as you mentioned. Taste is a factor. Uh, these are a noise. These are all factors that these fish adjust to, and that's why we have to really, as far as anglers, really have sort of a game plan down, again, you know, with the uh, correct uh, tools, if you will, to catch any species of fish under the ice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you brought up a, another another factor as well, talking about uh, the, the darker conditions, obviously with the with the the ice is is going to limit the the light penetration and and obviously the the snow cover will uh as well you know, how does that necessarily play a choice in what you use in terms of a, a of a lure do you want something with with the brighter color is it does it come down to then more of vibration and noise and you know do some of those other factors tend to come in more come come into you know make more of an influence in terms of of lure selection when it uh, uh when you're out on the water i don't know if it really makes more of a, it's more of a factor kevin but it's color as you and i talked in the past mm-hmm. is a big factor when we're fishing for any species of fish but likewise it's as important or maybe a little bit more important in a winter time you know using the uh, right, you know, do we want a rattle or do we want a glow or what size do we want? What kind of jigging action? I really feel in the wintertime, most anglers over jig uh, and they spook these fish. They, those fish come into the cone angle, they jig once too many times and they're gone. Uh, so that's, you know, there's a lot of factors there, but I think that what we really have to understand here is that these fish weigh every food source because they're not going to be chasing food all over the body of water that we're fishing and because of their metabolism again. So that's why it's really a key ingredient to key in on color uh, and also the size of the Lord, you know, how we're jigging. And when we're talking about color, not one color is going to work 
and catch fish every single time frame we're out there. Been out there many times fishing sunfish especially, but also walleye where you catch a lot of fish on one color, two hours later it's dead, you switch another color, you catch more fish, and especially if you're marking them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 would you say perhaps uh, and, and I'm just kind of I'm, I'm thinking out loud here and, and I'm, I'm sort of thinking off the, the the cuff here which can be dangerous sometimes but but you, you know obviously you know there would be some change in conditions perhaps you know the light obviously you know even between a couple of hours that light is maybe shifted a little bit uh, the the sunlight shifted a little bit you know maybe that that light that color doesn't quite play as well with the, uh, uh, you know, look quite the same uh, when you present it to fish, you know, between, you know, say at 10 in the morning and, and noon, you know, it might look a little bit different. That, that I, I wonder if that's something to think about. Well, it definitely is, you know, depending on the sun's angle and so forth. That's a big, big factor, Kevin, something we have to really understand uh, because it is going to uh, uh, change those color conditions, if you will. But also what we have to throw in that uh, equation is are you fishing normally a darker body of water or clear body of water? Mm -hmm. So those are all factors, and that's why I really feel it's extremely important, maybe not only in the wintertime but also in the summer, to experiment with color. Uh, As I mentioned, we've done so many years of color, 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 and it's just amazing. And I really throw out match to hatch. I don't really know if I believe 100% in that. I know it's a starting point uh, Mm -hmm. many times for, you know, even ourselves, but it's something we cannot stay with. We can't uh, stay with that one color. If it is not working, we have to switch. And also, if we're marking fish, we best switch. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and, and I, I want to back up to, to a point that uh, you you mentioned earlier here, talking about uh, uh, over jigging a little bit, uh, and and I know that that obviously with the with the uh, the hard water season here, you know, even if, if with a layer of, of skim ice, you know, there isn't going to be that that necessarily that current that that wave action that that moves that water around a little bit, and and. It tends to, to clear things up a little bit, but there's still some current there as well. Uh, you know, in terms of, of jigging, it, you said not to overdo it. Uh, you know, there's still a little movement to that water, uh, I, I, probably to a, to a certain extent. Is that subtle motion, I guess, really my question is, is, is that subtle motion uh, still something that, that maybe anglers kind of overlook, you know, in, in, in that desire to sort of, you know, draw those fish in They're They're, they're kind of overdoing it when, when really they just, you know, kind of need to, I guess really kind of where that dead stick idea comes from is, is just kind of let things sort of take their natural course and, and that natural sort of presentation, if you will. Well, there's no question about that, not only for walleyes or northern pike, but for all species of fish, you know, crappies and sunfish, uh, even if you're using, you know, a wiggler or, or uh, some sort of a grub. 
I really feel that there's many times we don't need to jig. I had a friend that uh, uh, was always very patiently fishing with just a small, small, small bobber, and he would score pretty good uh, by not jigging or just uh, just moving it every once in a while. But you're absolutely right. And a good way to really compare notes in that area is if you put a bobber down, just watch your bobber, especially on a windier day, it'll shift and go to one side of the hole inside of fish house. Mm-hmm. So we have current that we're always dealing with, and we should you know, sort of somewhat take advantage of that. But I, I think, again, the main factor here, and there's been so many changes with rods and so forth, when you're talking these subtle bites and these soft bites and so forth, uh, there's no question a rod plays such a factor, and maybe more so with sunfish and crabbies, but also with walleyes, you need to really carry that step beyond that feel and, that's, and that uh, tip movement. That's really a big ingredient in catching fish today. Mm-hmm. And, and let's 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 maybe talk a little bit about that as well uh, about uh, uh, the different kind of rods. What uh, you know? What do you I guess prefer as far as uh, you know? I, and and I, I'm 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 guessing that that you you probably you know have uh, more than uh, two or three rods that uh, that you take with uh, out on the water, but uh, uh, and. And uh, you know, it's you know what uh, what what do you what do you like in a in a rod that uh, when you when you go uh, you know you're looking at a, at a rod for you know necess- and, and obviously it's it's going to be more species specific. You're not going to use the same rod that you you know use for sunfish that you know you're going to want to go for walleye or anything like that. What what sorts of things are you looking at as far as uh, as far as rods out there go? Because I, I mean they certainly have changed over the years and uh, you know the the technology improvements have have uh, uh, come so far compared to you know even 10 15 years ago. Oh, you're uh, exactly correct. They have made some tremendous uh, improvements in these rods. And what I generally look for, if I'm uh, fishing in a flip-over, one-man flip-over, obviously you need to go to shorter rods, Kevin. Mm-hmm. If you're fishing in a wheelhouse or, or a skid house, uh, then you can extend those uh, rod lengths, if you will. And uh, so it varies. I use a lot of shorter rods to get into one-man fish house, but also two dead sticking here. You probably want to use a little bit of a longer rod. And I, um, you can use a bobber, but many times I, I will not use a bobber. And I'll use that longer rod and watch that rod with an extremely loose drag system, and that bait that you're using, if you're using you know, a minnow or if you're of any sort, if it's a crappie minnow or if it's a fatted or if it's a, uh, a shiner, is make sure that that minnow is moving that rod tip. So now you know you got ample action. And then for uh, fishing with uh, small uh, lures, you know, like uh, tungsten or whatever, uh, is I uh, use a very, very soft, sensitive tip. And I should mention, too, uh, just uh, a comment. In fact, I had, uh, we're doing a, a promotion here on Tuesday of this week, and I took out one of these rods with me. St. Croix has uh, uh, now uh, in, in, uh, introduced what's called a tundra rod, and it's a totally different concept. It's a carbon blank with a glass tip. It's mm-hmm. unbelievably light and unbelievably sensitive. And, you know, why sensitive is so important? Well, it's to feel the bite, but also, too, that light tip is a big ingredient as far as us telling us that we've got a bite going. 
too many times. I think we wait for that field and that rod tip. I will assure you, Kevin, and all of our listeners, that if we're waiting for that field, we're missing an awful lot of fish, especially sunfish and crappies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's unbelievable how 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 subtle those bites can be, and you know, unfortunately, how often uh, you know we miss those uh, we miss those bites. They. Uh, uh, in, in, in the, uh, in the ice fishing season here, it's, uh, unbelievable how stealthy those fish can, can be sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, well, that sounds like a, a really, uh, a really interesting rod. I'm going to have to check that out. That, uh, yeah, uh, it really is, Kevin. It's unbelievable. In fact, uh, some of the people that picked up the rod at this promotion could not believe how light it is. Uh, and I, of course, I haven't used it on the ice yet, but I sure am going to use it. But it, it's really a great rod. But, you know, too, here again, you know, the reel needs to be balanced to the rod, too, Kevin. You don't want an oversized reel on a light rod because it's going to, it's going to affect your feel. It's going to affect how, you know, your wrist, a kind of jigging action that you're doing. There's a lot of ingredients here matching those systems up. Uh, it's something that, again, I think, you know, it's always been said, well, uh, for ice fishing, a reel is nothing but storage of line. Yes, it is, but you've got to have a good drag system. That drag system must be adjusted uh, constantly throughout a given day. Otherwise, you're going to either, when you set the hook, it's going to slip, or you've got it too tight, and it's going to break off. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, well, yeah, it's, I mean, just as far as, you know, the open water system, you know, you've got to, you know, batch the the reel to you know the 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 rod and and you know it's all got to be it has to be that complete package. It's all got to be tied together and 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 work well in order for it to, in order for it to be successful. It's not balanced, uh, if you will. It, yeah, it's uh, somewhere along the line. It's it's going to end up you know costing the fishermen uh, you know in, in terms of uh, you know a lost fish and and hopefully you know not. <laughs> Not the fish, the the big fish of a lifetime, and uh, but uh, you know, um, go ahead, Terry. No, that's exactly right, and I think another factor here too is that, and I call it sightlining, Kevin, mm-hmm. where it's a I it's a step beyond any type of feel or anything, uh, where you're using your vexlar, you're marking these fish, and all of a sudden that uh, red band of fish comes up to your lure, and does and not necessarily that the lure uh, actually disappears. But what happens is that these fish are just sort of starting, uh, sucking it in. There's no feel whatsoever, nothing. Uh, you No indication of, in the rod tip, no indication in the line movement. And here I advise definitely to center the rod over the, uh, over the hole, uh, right over the center of the hole, and if you can, stand up and set the hook straight vertically up. So when that fish is uh, starting to mount that bait, you've got that hook uh, presented exactly where you want it inside the mount. Normally, these uh, fish are hooked right at the outer lip of that uh, of that mouth area, which is really a good hook, you know, good hook set. And two, I always tell people, especially at seminars, hook sets are free. You know, uh, so if you miss the fish, so what? But at least you tried, and many times you'll be very, very surprised of the uh, fish that you catch by doing this approach. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, that's uh, that's great, uh, great advice. Anything else, Terry? That uh, and, and I do have. A, there are a couple of other things that uh, I want to touch on too uh, before we before we go. But uh, anything else that uh, that you'd like to touch on here, as far as uh, uh, you know, early ice. Uh, you know what? What sort of and, and actually now that, I, now that I think about it, what sort of locations are you looking at here as far as uh, as far as early ice goes? 
generally speaking, is going to be shallow structure. There's a lot of green weeds left, so green weed edges can be extremely productive for sunfish poking, you know, looking for holes in these green weeds is a big factor. But it's always said, uh, you know, the first, first ice fish are shallow. Mid-ice, they're deep. Then they go back to shallow. Not true. Been out many, many times where fishing pressure is in the shallow water. You go deep, you're out there all alone, and those fish are pushed to those areas. So I think that concept is not, you know, holding true. Uh, but we do have to, you know, find where these fish are located. And generally speaking, you know, any shallow fish, you know, can be, you know, a, a rock pile. It can a shallow rock, a shallower point to run into deeper water edges, hard by meaning soft, and definitely weed edges. If you can find green weeds, and I would have to anticipate if we don't get a lot. No, we'll have green weeds for some time this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, as long as we get that uh, that light penetration in there, I would think that uh, um, yeah, that would be the uh, that would be the case. And of course, uh, all the little uh, bugs and critters that go along uh, along in those plants. So yeah, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting too, especially with uh, a lot of the natural lakes that uh, we're dealing with low low water. So it's going to be very, very, uh, shall we say, experimental to find some of these locations. You know, how are these fish? And they're going to adapt. They have to adapt because they have to feed uh, if they're going to survive. So it'll be a little bit interesting to see actually uh, what does take place. But I really still believe we're going to have a very, very good first and mid-ice bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so, too. And I think, I mean, we've, I've, you know, down here anyway, I, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, we've had a... Uh, a pretty good fall as far as the uh, as far as the fishing goes, kind of across the board in terms of you know the different species and things. And uh, you know it's uh, you know yeah, like you said, the the fish have adapted, and um, you know the, the the river conditions have certainly changed this summer. It's been uh, certainly an odd year, but um, it's certainly been productive one in terms of uh, in terms of fishing. Well, yes, I don't think there's any question about that. And, you know, here again is, you know, laying out a game plan. Where am I going to start? Uh, selecting the species. I don't know how many times I've asked anglers, what are you fishing for? And their common answer, whatever bites. Well, those anglers are not going to be uh, productive. Sure, they can catch a few fish. They can be what we will probably call a lucky angler if, if there is such a thing. But we've got to have some sort of a, a plan of attack on any body of water, river or inland bodies of water. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let me let, let's shift gear here. You, you mentioned this uh, when we were getting the call set up too, and uh, I appreciate you uh, mentioning it as well. Is uh, and and uh, is the uh, if if people want to get a chance to check out uh, the latest and and greatest in terms of uh, uh, ice fishing gear products uh, and and generally things in terms of uh, ice fishing. Uh, the St. Paul Ice Fishing and Winter Sports Show is is back this year, uh, and uh, it's going to be coming up. I guess what in uh, a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, uh, up in yeah, uh, up in St. Paul. Yeah. Yes, yes, Kevin. It'll be December third, fourth, and fifth at the St. Paul River Center. Yeah, and uh, I, I had a chance to uh, to go up there a couple of years ago, and uh, man, that is uh, that is a, a tremendous a tremendous show, and just uh, a lot of fun to. Uh, to wander through, and and I'm I'm guessing Terry, since you you brought it up, I'm I'm guessing, and I I haven't had a chance to, to dig through the website here because I've been chatting, but oh, and look at that, uh, first day out of the out of the box here, uh, you happen to be talking about uh, walleye ice patterns, so. <laughs> 
Yeah, that'll be at Friday at 2 o'clock, Kevin. Then Saturday at noon, we'll be talking about uh, fishing for panfish, crappies and sunfish. So, yeah, and and, and, and really, Terry, if, if uh, you had to sort of sum up uh, what the show is about, I mean, it's really everything ice fishing. It really is. It goes from wheelhouses to tiny little lures and all the accessories in between. Uh, it is de- definitely a big, big factor in uh, uh, catching fish. It's something that uh, uh, we really need. It's classified as the country's largest ice fishing show. And uh, there's so much to see. There's you know, lot, lots of accessories. Uh, if anybody's looking for a wheelhouse or a skidhouse, they've got tons of those. They've got all your uh, one-man, two-man hub shelters, all sorts of different rods and reels. Many, oh, most of the manufacturers that I know go there, uh, lure manufacturers, electronics. Everything is under one roof. It's a great opportunity for us to really find uh, you know, any type of equipment that we're looking for and maybe stumble on something new that we didn't know or, God, maybe we should get this to help us catch more fish. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, and, and, and like you said, just any of the, uh, uh, if you think about ice fishing, clam and, uh, you know, Aquaview and and you know, all the tackle manufacturers, all the people that uh, uh, you know, the rod manufacturers. Maybe you get a chance to uh, to take a look at the, the those uh, those new ice fishing rods that you were talking about a little while ago. That would be kind of cool as well. Yes, you and you're right. You know, and you know, a lot of the uh, manufacturers are going to be there themselves. Explaining some of these uh, um, con- uh, new product lines, and I should mention too, after the seminars, Kevin, I will be in the clam booth to entertain any questions that are uh, wanting to be asked. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, and uh, uh, certainly uh, looking forward to that again, uh, December third, fourth, and fifth, up at uh, the St. Paul River Center. Uh, great location, and you know what? I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty easy to get to, and uh, it's definitely worth the. Uh, uh, worth worth making the trip up there, and and again, obviously, it's uh, it, it's haven't had it for a couple of years, so if you get a chance, uh, head on up there and and check it out. It's 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 very cool. It's uh, a lot of fun, and they really it's it's unbelievable how much they uh, will pack into that place. So yeah, it, it really is. It's just but you know they've got. Uh, a lot of ample room. They got the up, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, upper uh, level now. And uh, I would advise anybody that goes to that show just don't stay on the main floor. Go uh, take the uh, st- steps or the escalator or whatever up to the second floor. They have just tons of exhibits, and that's where the seminars are too. But it's just it's just well worth you know the time frame. There's uh, there's you know there's shall we call them byproducts if you will. Uh, maybe there's somebody that uh, has uh, vehicles on display or accessories for vehicles. But it, you know a lot there's some cooking um, uh, type of uh, uh, displays there too. So there's just a ton of stuff to go on. You can easily spend a whole day. I know uh, many people that go twice. Oh yeah, I, I can I can believe it. Just uh, having, like I said, having been there myself, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things that yeah, you could definitely you know get there early when they open up in the morning and and just kind of plan on spending pretty much the whole day there. Just uh, really, if uh, you know, you could probably spend a, a good portion of your day just sitting at the uh, at some of those seminars and, and uh, just kind of absorbing the the knowledge that. Uh, uh, the the great lineup of of speakers, including yourself, are going to be uh, sharing as well. 
and uh, looks like a pretty oh, yeah. pretty broad broad spectrum of uh, of speakers as well. So uh, just uh, that's another aspect of it that besides all the, the the great products as well. Yeah, it really is. We've had people coming to the seminars, Kevin. From but I usually give door prizes away from the like the further uh, that drove. Uh, and it's amazing. We had a couple of years ago people from Texas, um, you know, Georgia, uh, uh, northern Canada, uh, Montana, uh, all, from all over really the, the states. And it's just amazing uh, how these people are so involved in ice fishing. Some want to see what, it, what it's all about. And, two, we just don't have ice fishing in the upper Midwest. They ice fish in the Colorado uh, area in the mountaintops. They ice fish in some of the southern, uh, more the southern states, uh, if they have the temperatures that are going to correspond with creating ice. So it's not just a localized uh, sport, mm-hmm. if you will. Nope, exactly. I, although I would kind of like to see where they go ice fishing in Texas. That would be kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea if they actually ice fish there or if they're, you know, like in some of the states, too, they ice fish up in the mountaintops. Yeah, they, you know, like in, in Colorado. And mm-hmm. so, in fact, Colorado, from what I understand, is quite big in ice fishing. New York also yeah. big in ice fishing. Uh, but uh, And it could be, I don't know if the, these folks ice fish or if they were writers uh, or if they just wanted to see what the show was all about. Uh, but they were extremely into. We've had people coming in with products from out of the country, like from Russia and so forth. Wow, interesting, fascinating. Well, Terry, uh, I hope uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to uh, to get up there and, and check that out again. Uh, if, if you want to, if, folks, if you want a chance to uh, to see Terry and check out a lot of uh, great products and things like that, again, that's uh, going to be going on. Uh, December 3rd, 4th, and 5th up at the St. Paul River Center. Terry, i got to run here. We, uh, we're out of time, but uh, I appreciate, uh, as always, you uh, being on the program this morning. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. You have a great day. You too, and we'll, uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Kevin. All right, take care. And uh, that is Tackle Terry Tuma on WKTY Outdoors. i got to take a quick break. Back in a moment on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM.